Hey, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Are you guys ready? Okay, five of you. Okay. Hey, I'm just going to make a, a shameless plug for the uh, carols and cookies if you're planning on coming next Sunday evening. Uh, i got a little bit of Italian in me, so I love those fig cookies. So if you're Italian out there, can I get an amen out there? The little fig, come on, come on. Some of you have never tried it. You, you haven't tried anything. It will change your life, so you got to try those. And I love the, um, I don't know what they're called. It's the, it's the peanut butter, and then you put the Hershey's Kiss in the middle of it. What are they called? Peter, yeah, peanut butter blossoms. Can I get an amen for peanut? Can I have a question? Why aren't those all year round? Okay, so I think those, so there's a, yeah, amen. Those are, that's my shameless plug for the, and I, cutouts are always a standby, so bring your cutouts, but looking forward to that. Hope you can come. Um, we are, we are in a series, new series, looking at why Jesus came. And, you know, I love this time of year because, because it can cause us to pause and to stop and reflect on the true meaning of Christmas. And, and this is one reason why I love Christmas time. And my, my prayer for you for this Christmas season is that you'll spend some time just contemplating the reason why Jesus came to earth. And I'm, I'm hoping through the scriptures we read today that it'll help us just to reflect and just to put a pause on just all the stuff that we go through during the season. It's always, it's always busy, and we know it's busy, but that we would really understand and just understand why Jesus was born and, and why did God send his son into the world. And, and the, the story of Jesus is so much more than just a baby that was born in a manger. And the birth of Jesus is so much more than the Christmas carols away in a manger, silent night. And I love all those, uh, all those carols. The story of Jesus can't be held in a manger. We, we can't leave him there. And most people don't get past the manger, and this is the reason why. Can I just tell you the reason why? Because the manger is safe. The manger is safe. If you just see a baby in the manger and the cows, they're lowing, and you got the shepherds there, and then you got the wise men there, but it's not really true to your manger scenes because the wise men didn't come till later, but that's okay. You can still keep them in there. It's kind of safe. It's not, it's not really threatening if you think about it. It's not really threatening. Um, and, and I want us to look at the reason why Jesus came. The life of Jesus is anything but comfortable. The, the way Jesus came and the meager surroundings in which he was born into is anything but comfortable. And there's a reason for that. And I want us to understand that reason. If you're truly going to understand Jesus, it must go through the cross. And this is the reason why. The cross deals with our biggest problem. And our biggest problem in our world is not economic problem. The biggest problem in our world is not, is not political, even though we see a lot of those issues. The biggest problem in our world is our sin and our waywardness from God. And this is the reason why Jesus comes in incarnate form as a human to come and come right into the middle of our mess to live among us, to show us the way back to the Father and how we can have peace and joy in our life like that first carol we sang. There is joy in knowing Christ and knowing the reason why he came. And some would ask, why did Jesus have to die? It wasn't fair. Jesus was sinless. I just don't understand this. But this was part of God's redemptive plan from the very beginning. 
And the only way we could be forgiven, forgiven of our sins, was through the death of Christ. Because of the death of Christ. This is the only way we could be forgiven. And Jesus was perfect in every way. He was God. And this is what I want us to understand. I want us to understand that Jesus was sinless. He wasn't stained by sin like you and I are. He was born of a virgin through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was the only one who could provide an unblemished sacrifice for you and I. This was the plan of God. Jesus met the holy requirements that God required. In order to have our sins forgiven, there had to be a sacrifice made for our waywardness. And so there's these characters of God, and there's some characters of God that we like, and there's some characters of God that maybe are hard for us to understand. But I want us to understand that God is a loving God. Amen? We like the loving God side. But also, God is a just God. And this is the hard part. The justice of God is the hard part. But I want you to understand that he wouldn't be loving if he didn't deal with our sins. God just didn't look away, but he had to do something about it because he knew every single one of us would be lost in our sins if we did not have a redeemer. Now, this sounds hard, but I want you to stay with me. I want you to stay with me. The justice of God requires judgment and punishment for our sins. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning, right? <laughs> joy to the world. But it is joyful. It is joyful. So stay with me. Don't, don't lose me. And this is the part I think we all can tend to struggle with is the justice of God. See, here, here's the reason why we struggle with this so much. Here's the reason why we, we struggle with it. We struggle with this part of the character of God or the, the, the justice part of God because I thought I was okay by comparing myself with others. See, this is the way we deal with our waywardness or our sins. We compare ourselves with others. And what God said is there is no way that you can ever save yourself. There's no way we could reach God in our own strength and our own power. There's no way we could ever amend our waywardness by ourselves by doing enough good works. Our good works Our good works are meaningless to the Lord. We needed a perfect Savior who could meet the demands of a righteous God. So what we do is we tend to give ourselves more grace than we tend to give to others. This is what we do. When we hear the sins of others, we may say, I would never do that. Have you ever told yourself that? I would never do that. Or how could they do that? You know why? Because we're sinners. Amen? That's why we do that. And so we will receive forgiveness from someone else, but at times we might refuse to give forgiveness depending on what level it is or the type of forgiveness we want to give. And so we begin to create our own standard. But unless we create our standard against a holy God, all of it's meaningless. And it can never truly offer forgiveness to our lives. We must realize that all of us, all of us, have fallen short of God's perfection. That's why Jesus came, to bring us back into a right relationship with God. You see, if we were good in ourselves, or if we could heal ourselves, Jesus would have never come. He would never come. He wouldn't need to come. But God's love and grace 
caused him to send Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. And this is what I want to talk about. I, there's a passage in the book of, of Hebrews that I love, and it's in, it's in chapter 2, verse 17. And it talks about the work of Christ. It talks about the purpose of Christ and why he came. And we're going to get a little theological. Can we get a little theological? So everybody wake up. I had my espresso this morning, so I'm jacked. I'm ready to rock it, okay? So let's look at verse 17 here. It says, Therefore... He had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So that means he came down incarnate form like you and I, fully God, fully man, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. And there's that word, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now, I like this translation because it uses the word propitiation. Sometimes it translates it atonement. I think propitiation is a better translation because it it, it gives us further understanding of actually what Jesus Christ does for us. This verse speaks of why Jesus came. Jesus came to make an offering of his life for you and I. Now, the Hebrew writer uses a couple things here. That That Jesus was merciful, Right? We didn't deserve his grace or his mercy. So he's a merciful high priest. And he says that he actually is a faithful high priest. Now let's understand this as we compare this to the Old Testament high priest. And what we understand about the uh, Old Testament high priest is that they were a mediator that represented man to God. And the high priest, once a year on the day of Yom Kippur or Day of Atonement, would go into the Holy of Holies. This is the day that they would offer their sins before God. And only the high priest could go into this special place in the temple, this holy of holies, and offer up the the blood of bulls and goats before the Lord and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And when they would sprinkle that, God for a time would allow their sins to be atoned for because there was a sacrifice made. Now the high priest would go in, but the high priest would have to offer up a sacrifice for himself also because he was not perfect. And when the Hebrew writer says that Jesus was a faithful high priest, when Jesus made his offering of his very life for you and I in the cross, it was once and for all. There was no more need for any more sacrifices to be made. Jesus fulfilled that office of high priest right before our very eyes when he hung on the cross. And this could have never been accomplished unless he came in the form of a baby in a manger, placed in a feeding trough to give his life for you and I. So Jesus is this faithful high priest. And the reason why he is faithful and merciful and the reason why his offering was accepted by God as a once and for all offering for you and I is because Jesus was perfect. He was the son of God. The reason why Jesus came. The reason for the season is us. He came for us to reconcile us back to a right relationship with a holy God. If we leave Jesus in the manger, we're going to miss the whole reason, the whole purpose of why Jesus came. And that was to appease the righteous demands of a holy God for you and I. When you look at it that way, can you understand why our offerings to God are meaningless to him? in comparison to the faithful high priest, the merciful high priest of Jesus, the Son of God. And so for many of us, we try to appease God through our own ways, right? We we try to bring a little penance. God, I'll I'll try to be a, a, a better person. 
I'll be a, I'll be a good person. How many of you know that a week or two later we do something stupid, right? And then we begin to beat ourselves up and we have guilt and shame and we're like, man, this is, this is, this is, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. You know what? You're right. You can't do it. There's not enough religiosity, enough church attendance, which is good to come to church. I'm glad you're all here. I'm glad you guys are watching online. There's not enough church attendance that you could ever do to make up for our waywardness and our sin. That's why Jesus came to set you free from the demands that you would have to do to try to make up for your sins, which could never, ever happen in our own strength. That's why Jesus is a perfect and beautiful high priest. So let's talk about this propitiation. The the, The meaning there behind this, the theological meaning behind this, and the reason why they use this word is propitiation means appeasement or satisfaction. Appeasement or satisfaction. So what Jesus does on the cross for you and I is that faithful high priest. Jesus' sacrifice appeases the holy standard of God and it satisfies God's demand for holiness. It appeases God. So when I put my faith in Christ Jesus and I ask for forgiveness of my sins, and I come under the blood and the sacrifice of Christ Jesus, God now sees me through his Son. And I'm made right before God. Now, does that mean I'm going to mess up? I will. We're not in heaven yet, right? But because of the sacrifice of Christ, I can come to him and I can find cleansing for all my waywardness and all my sin, and I can find healing for my life through Christ Jesus. He invites us to come to him because he is the only one that can truly forgive you of your sin. You see, our sin, we have to understand that you can't put potpourri on your sin and make it smell better. right? You can't spray Febreze on it and try to make it. Sin is sin, and it all stinks before God. And the reason why is because our sin, aren't you so glad you came to church today? I can, I can just tell. I feel the love and the joy in the room right now. But listen, I want you to understand this, because if you get this, it will bring so much joy and freedom into your life. You see, our sin really is an offense to God. It is. And we are reconciled to a right relationship with God through Christ. That's why Jesus is such a beautiful gift to you and I. There's nothing we could do to give God. There's nothing that we could do to appease his his judgment towards us. We are completely helpless. Completely helpless. There is nothing in you that could ever Win the approval of God in your own strength. It must come through Christ. Think of it this way. Think of a, a newborn baby, a young baby. It's helpless, isn't it? It can't feed itself. It can't get in the car and drive to Wegmans or Tops. It can't do that. It is completely helpless and dependent on its parents, on its mother. Completely. And I want you to look at that. Unless you see yourself as completely helpless, it's, it's got nothing to do with you or looking within yourself to try to save yourself. You have to look at yourself as completely helpless and dependent on a Savior who's done everything for you. Now, this is where it sets you free. So when you feel like a failure and you feel like you've disappointed God, If you try to do it yourself and try to make up and I'll be a better person, right? All that does is put more pressure on you, more condemnation, more guilt, because somewhere down the line, you're going to make another mistake. Amen? Amen? But if I find myself in Christ, 
and what he's already done to me, and I come to him and find my forgiveness. That's where his joy and his peace comes into my life, knowing that he covers me. Do we have to live with the consequences of what we've done? Absolutely. But when we're forgiven in in Jesus Christ, there is a joy and a peace knowing that I am made right before God. And that's what all of us are striving for. That's why we chase after things in this world to try to satisfy these desires in our lives. And they're just meaningless after a while. We, We do one thing for a while, we feel good about it, but then we chase something else because there's that emptiness within our souls that can never be fed unless Christ comes into our lives, unless we realize that we are helpless And you see, God understood that. God knew that. And so God's love compelled him to do something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And he gave us the gift of his son. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Through Christ, we are saved from the wrath of God. And this is the meaning of propitiation too. Not only are we saved from the wrath of God, but God does something for us in Christ Jesus that he now imputes and applies Jesus' righteousness to my life that I can now stand before a holy God, forgiven and cleansed. The reason why Jesus came was to do this exact thing, to reconcile and to restore us and to cleanse us and to give us a new life. I want you to listen to the story of Joseph. Joseph, Mary's husband, has a dream and at this point, he finds out that Mary is about to have, is going to have a child, and so he knows that the child is not his, so he's going to divorce her quietly. He's not going to put her to shame. And then he has a dream. And in this dream, the angel shows him God's plan of the birth of this child that Mary's going to have. And I want you to listen to the purpose of Jesus coming to earth and listen to what Matthew 1, it's recorded for us, 18 through verse 25. And it talks about the birth of Christ and what his purpose was. Let's, let's, let's look at it together. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public dis- disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And here's the reason why. Because he will save his people from their sins. Amen? That's his purpose. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and they gave him the name Jesus. Now I want you to understand something here. When Joseph found Mary was pregnant, he was going to divorce her. He was going to do it quietly. He wasn't going to shame her. And Joseph was betrothed to Mary when he found out the news. Now betrothal was much different from our engagement today. Betrothal was actually a legal binding document uh, that could only be broken through formal divorce. That's why he was going to divorce her secretly. And though Mary and Joseph had not yet married, to have relations before the official marriage would be considered immoral. So they did not do that. Joseph, we can see, had compassion for Mary and didn't want to hurt her or even, uh, you know, even though he thought at the beginning this child wasn't his. And we understand through this passage that Jesus would rescue his people from 
their sins. And we also know that this was a fulfillment of prophecy, of Old Testament prophecy, of biblical uh, prophecy. And what we understand is from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we understand that Emmanuel would come, would be God with us. God comes in human form to dwell among us right in our mess. And he's going to live among us. And he's going to show us the way to the Father. And through his miracles and through his words, he's going to show us what the kingdom of God is all about. So God didn't choose to stand back at a distance. He came and chose to live right amongst our filth, right amongst our messiness, to show us that we can be redeemed through a relationship through Jesus Christ. Isaiah writing some 700 years before the birth of Jesus says, God will be with us. God is close to us. God is close to the brokenhearted. God will come to the sinner to save them, to come right to us. God didn't say, listen, I will come if you clean up your act. Aren't you glad he didn't say that? He just comes right into our mess, right into our sin. And he says, I am here to rescue you. There is nothing you can do. And I, I, I get a kick out of people that sometimes want to come to church. And they're like, Pastor, I've come to church when I get my life together. I'm like, that's probably never going to happen, right? It's just, do, do we ever get all our lives all together, right? That, that's never, there's always going to be something that comes up that rocks our boat, right? Or, or pastor, I'll, I'll come to church when I get a suit. And I say, that's all right, we don't you, you don't, you can wear a suit, but we don't require suits at our church. So I'm trying to eliminate all the excuses that, that people use. He says, come just as you are and let me change you. Come with all your stuff, all your messiness, all your sin, There's nothing that you bring to the table that's going to appease God's righteous standardness of holiness. You just come to me and put your faith in my son Jesus and let him change you. And your life will be changed. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what my son has already done for you. See, the passage is a promise that God would be with us, that God would always be with his people. God is with us means that God came in human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and fulfilled his promise of sending a Messiah to rescue us from our sins. And the lie that we can easily believe so many times is that I have to do this in order to be clean first. Before I can come to God, I have to clean myself up. And that's not what Christmas is all about. And that's what I love about Jesus coming in such meager surroundings. When he comes and he, he comes and he's born and he's placed in a manger, which is a feeding trough. It's just meek. He wasn't born in a palace. He comes right down into our mess. He's born, he's placed in a feeding trough. And there's nothing grandiose about anything that surrounded the birth of Christ. It's announced to, to shepherds who are out in their fields nearby to come and witness this great thing that God has done for us, for you and I. And so what God does is he receives us in our uncleanliness and he cleans us up. I love the story um, in Matthew chapter 8. It's the story of the, the man who has leprosy. And leprosy, it could have been some type of, of, of skin disease or it could have been leprosy. But when someone had leprosy and they were living in the, the time of, of Christ, they would be considered uh, religiously unclean. 
And they couldn't go. They couldn't go in the temple. They, they couldn't worship. In fact, they couldn't have any contact with anyone. No one could touch them because if they touched them, they would be considered spiritually unclean also. And so when someone with leprosy would walk through the town, they would have to yell out, unclean, unclean. I'm unclean. So no one would be around them. No one could touch them because if they were touched, they too would become ceremonial unclean and then they'd have to wait a certain amount of days and then they'd have to go to the priest to be considered clean again. And this leper what he does is he comes up to Jesus. There's something different about Jesus, but he's not, he's not fearful to approach Jesus in his uncleanliness. Because it's more than just this physical uncleanliness of having leprosy, but you are marked as spiritually unclean. Can you imagine today just walking around Tops or, or Wegmans and you, had, you would have to yell out, unclean, unclean? And everybody would look at you and say, oh, that person... They're unclean. Don't get around them. Don't touch them. Don't give them a hug. But you know what? Everybody we encounter and we walk around, we're unclean. We're unclean. So this man, no one touches him. Nobody hugs him. I don't know how long he's had leprosy. But he's alone. He has no personal contact. No physical touch. And on top of that, he's marked as unclean. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. So he comes up to Jesus that we see in Matthew 8. And he says, Lord, he calls him Lord. He sees something different about Jesus. And he says, he says Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? If you are willing, can, can you make me clean? And what Jesus does is, is Jesus reaches out and touches him and says, be clean. You're clean. Now, what he says by that, when he means be clean, not only is he physically clean again and he's healed, but spiritually he is clean. Now, Jesus does something pretty radical here. Because think about it. If Jesus touches him, everybody else is looking around going, Jesus is unclean. But why could Jesus touch him and not, be un- and not become unclean? Because he was perfect. And he had no sin. And he could touch this man in full confidence, knowing that he'd be healed. Jesus didn't walk away from the man. Jesus didn't say, okay, just stay back 20 feet. Hallelujah, you're clean. Now go to the priest. Right? He didn't do that. He didn't walk away. But what he did was by touching the man also as he got into his mess. He got right in there and said, I love you. I care about you. And I'm going to grant your request by causing you to become clean again. You see, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came in the uncleanliness of our world and the filth of our world to be placed in a manger and the filth of that surrounding to make a point. This is why I came. I came in the middle of your mess and I want you to invite me into your mess. I want you to allow me to come and allow me to fix you. Allow me to fix your heart. Allow me to cover your past. See, so much of it, we, I just think we don't have a correct understanding of the gospel. We always think that it's me bringing something to God, then he does his part, and I do my part, and we kind of make a bargain. That, that's not the gospel. The gospel is me coming filthy 
and saying, God, cleanse me anew and afresh. And I don't know what things have been done to you or things that you have done, but you can come to the Savior. And when you ask him, make me clean, he will cleanse you. He already knows what you, can we just be honest? He already knows what's there. He already knows what, we can't hide it. We can't, you know, spray potpourri or put potpourri on and spray with Febreze. It's just not going to work. God knows it, but he still invites us to come. And he, and he, and he wants to come in to our lives and our messiness and all our struggles. I think so much of it, we just have a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. Listen, I know some people, and the reason why they may walk away from Christ or the church is because maybe they had a bad example of church or maybe another Christian hurt them or maybe they were in a, a toxic Christian culture. I don't know what it is, right? But it saddens my heart when people don't see Jesus for who he truly is. Because Jesus will never hurt you. Jesus isn't there to shame us, to put more guilt on our life. Jesus didn't come just to point out all our flaws and all our sins and then leave us there. What Jesus does for you, he doesn't take from you. He doesn't abuse you. He doesn't take advantage of you. In fact, everything that was done to Jesus was taken advantage of him. He willingly came not as someone to be served, but to serve you and I, to walk amongst us, to heal our diseases, to show us the way back to the Father, and then go to a cross and hang on that cross, beaten, bruised, bloody, to give his life as a sacrifice for you and I. That's the Jesus I serve. And I'm sorry if you've been hurt, I'm sorry if you were abused in church because even Christians do dumb things. Amen? We do. We make mistakes and we need the mercy of a faithful high priest to cover us of our mistakes too. But that doesn't change who Jesus is and what he accomplished for you and I. So if you're looking for healing and forgiveness and cleansing in your life, it can only come from a perfect Savior who was sinless, who's the son of God, and that's Jesus. And he did everything to reach us. God did everything possible to reach us in our waywardness. That's what makes Christmas so wonderful is because we serve and we worship a savior who came to give his life for you and I. And then to prove his divinity through his resurrection that he indeed is who he says he is, that he indeed is the long-awaited Messiah that came to rescue his people from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us, invite Christ into your mess and he will cleanse you. He will say you are cleansed. That's where you're going to find peace and the joy that you've been looking for because we all need to be restored back to a right relationship with God the Father. So Father God, as we bow our hearts before you today, I thank you for sending your son Jesus. And I pray for um, everyone here today, God, who may be struggling, maybe they've had a bad 
experience in their past because of church or Christians, whatever it may be. I don't know, Lord, but I pray, Lord, that God, you would show us who Christ truly is and why he came. I pray for those who feel like their past is so enormous, so big to overcome, that they feel like God could never forgive it. I pray that we would see that through Christ Jesus, our sins are forgiven. And we just have to invite Christ to come in and ask him to cleanse us, and he will. He is faithful and just to forgive us of all our unrighteousness. And I pray we would truly see who Jesus is. Thank you that he's not here to abuse us or take advantage of us or shame us or guilt us. He came to make things right. God, may we make things right with you through your son, Jesus. And thank you for the joy and the peace that comes through a relationship with Christ because he is the only way. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen? Amen. We're going to take communion together and and just celebrate and remember Jesus' wonderful sacrifice. Now, last month we had little problems with the communion cup, so I'm going to walk you guys through it. I think only like five people took communion last time because it was so hard to open up the cup. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what I'm going to explain. There's a top foil. You've got to pull that top foil out. That will reveal the wafer. And then underneath, there's another foil separate from the little plastic tab. So don't pull the plastic tab. That will not reveal the juice. So make sure you pull, separate the plastic tab from the, from the foil. And I'm doing it right now. And that will reveal your juice. There you go. Give you guys a couple seconds. Excellent. You guys are still struggling. I can hear it. Pastor, you're killing me. You're killing me. Hopefully that worked for all of you. Amen. So as we take communion today, let us remember, when Jesus says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. The, the wafer represents Jesus' body that was given to us. The cup symbolizes his blood. And the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. So that's why Jesus' sacrifice is perfect. That's why he's the faithful high priest, a once and for all sacrifice. And when we do this, we recognize that Jesus is the only way, the only one who can cleanse us from our sins. The Apostle Paul says, let's make sure we examine our hearts and ask God just to cleanse us anew and afresh and not to take this haphazardly, not to take this in haste, not to take this religiously, but to really look at our hearts and say, thank you, Jesus, for what we did. And if you don't take communion, that's okay. There's no judgment here. I want, I want your hearts to be in the right place as you take this. So that's okay if you don't want to take it. But as you take it, my, my prayer for you is that we would not do this in haste. We would not do this haphazardly and we would not do this religiously. But we would do this saying, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that your sacrifice is enough to cleanse me anew and afresh. And as we take this, we're thankful for what Christ accomplished for us on the cross. Amen. So let's pray and we'll take the emblems together. Father God, thank you for the bread that symbolizes Jesus' body, the cup that symbolizes his blood that was given for us. And as we take this as the family of God, we are reminded of what Jesus did for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And I pray, Lord, that you would unite us as the church family 
under the precious sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that the reason why we're here today is because of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. So we worship you and we thank you for your perfect, beautiful sacrifice. And it's in your name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Let's partake. We'll take the bread and we'll take the cup together. Amen. Let's partake of the cup. Amen. Amen. When you have finished that, would you just stand with me? We're going to close in song, beautiful song.